Today is also my privilege to introduce the preacher, our preacher for this morning, uh, who is Betsy Blanchard. And let me read her bio really quick. It says this. It says, this year, Betsy will retire after 35 years of service as a missionary with the Alliance, 25 of those years serving in Spain. Her calling for the last 18 years has been to work with, the, with women in crisis. This calling led to her work with the biggest hidden and unaddressed crisis for women in Spain, human trafficking for sexual exploitation and forced prostitution. There are more women caught in forced prostitution than there are Christ followers in Spain, and more brothels than Bible-believing churches. Betsy began ministry with her focus in 2009, and in 2013 she opened a home for women who had escaped their life from prostitution. Uh, the Cinderella's House residential program eventually had to be disbanded due to a shortage of staffing. But ministry to traffic victims has continued in partnership with, the, with Project Pearl and will continue in the future as God continues to guide. But the ministry has expanded to include ministry to families whose adults are either victims of labor trafficking or in sexual exploitation. We include a vibrant new ministry to the children of these families. And uh, lucky enough for us, Betsy is retiring this year, and she's looking forward to spend more time with her family. Three children, six grandchildren, spread across three continents, so that might be a little, a little hard. We'll maybe help pay for one of those plane tickets. But uh, join me in welcoming uh, Betsy for us today. morning. It's great to be here with you folks. I've been hearing about City Life for a while, so um, I'm excited to be able to be here with you folks this morning. I would like to just uh, stop and have a word of prayer before we start, okay? Father God, how we thank you for your blessings in our lives. We thank you, Father, that your desire is to love on us and to draw us into an intimate and deep relationship with you. But Father, that's not just your heart for us. It is your heart for everyone around the world, all of the folks that you have created. Lord, your desire is to draw people to you. So Father, we ask that you would just be present with us today, open our ears and our hearts to hear what the Holy Spirit would have to say to us today. Guide my words, Lord, that uh, what is spoken this morning will be what your spirit desires to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So, uh, I have been in Spain for a long time, and I love Spanish. <laughs> so, Carla has been the person that's been in touch with me a lot, and I do a mixture of English and Spanish with her. <laughs> <laughs> because that's my heart. My heart is really, I love Spanish, you know. It's, I grew up in Argentina, actually. My folks were missionaries as well. And so Spanish has been my um, second language, really, from the time I was very young. So anyway, um, any Spanish speakers here? Hola, buenos dias. <laughs> and hello to all the rest of you, too. <laughs> Okay, today um, I want to talk about um, what happens when we're facing change. Um, and 
I want to start out by asking you, when you've been through a season of a real difficult change, what's that been like for you? I went through a very, very tough season um, a number of years ago, back in, in my days in Australia. I lived in Australia for 10 years, and um, in between serving in Spain and in, uh, the two seasons in Spain, I was in Australia. And during that time, God gave, gave me a, a, a real blessing. There was a gal that I think of often when I think about times of difficulty because every time I felt like something was going on in my life or I was hitting a crisis or whatever, Corinne would turn up or she'd call or whatever. And it was, it was just amazing to me. Um, so much so that, that one, sometimes it was just by telephone. But she lived in Sydney and I lived in Canberra. It was a three hour difference. Uh, um, and I, I remember one occasion when I was just really struggling with just physical ailment at that particular time. And um, I, was, I was hemorrhaging. And, but I didn't know how serious it was. I had my own kids and each of their kids had a friend over that day. And I couldn't do anything. I was really a bit of a mess. And all of a sudden, in walks Corinne, just out of the blue. She had driven down from, from Sydney, and there she was. And she said, Betsy, what can I do for you? I explained to her what was going on, and she said, she went over and got uh, my husband, and I called uh, an emergency line to find out how serious is this? And the guy told me, you know, do you have somebody that can take you to the hospital right now? Because if not, I'm sending the ambulance. So, you know, I think of Corinne often because there were, there were other seasons. There was a, a season later on that was even more difficult for me. Um, I lost my marriage while I was in Australia, and it was a very, very painful time. And it got so um, normal and usual that I would hear from Corinne at various seasons that my daughter, who was um, 17, 18 at that time, would, would ask me, Mom, have you heard from Corinne lately? And sure enough, within a short period of time, I would hear from her, and she was living in London at that time. Have you ever had somebody in your life like that? Have you ever had somebody that just walked in at specific moments, and you felt that God was sending them to you? Or maybe you've been that person to somebody else. So today I want to talk about um, these people that can be present in our lives. And I want to tell you a little bit about my experiences, but I want to ask you a question. What plans did you have for 2020? going into 2020 in January. I was just talking to the pastor and he told me he was just stepping into the lead, lead role here at the church in 2020. I don't know about you guys, but 2020 was a crazy year. Absolutely crazy year. It's a year we'll probably remember um, everything falling apart, nothing going according to plan, Many, many people losing loved ones or having someone who was very, very ill during that time. 
Um, it wasn't necessarily for me a, a life-changing season, but it is the most dramatic season I have ever known in my life that affected globally. It's a, it's a year we'll remember canceled weddings, no graduations, plans upside down. You know, on the mission field, we also make plans. And so when we were um, heading into 2020, my team, Proyecto Perla, and, and my ministry, Cinderella's House, we were making plans for that year. God had, had um, we had been working for quite a long time with women and uh, trying to accompany women who were still in prostitution and encouraging them to, to step out. But we had also, uh, we also found out um, a, a, an area near us that was, had um, labor trafficking and primarily sub-Saharan Africans that had come up into Europe thinking they would find a better life but ended up illegal in Spain, illegal, illegal immigrants, often rounded up and taken to this particular area for labor trafficking. So they were stuck in, in uh, circumstances that were really, really horrible. Um, it's, it's a huge area. I would, I would guess, I don't have my slide with me, but if you look on Google Maps to the, the province of Almería and put in there Roquetas, you see this whole area from, from, uh, from the sky, from, you know, from the, the, the shots from outer space, and it's all white. It's this area that's huge. It, it would be like Manhattan or, or um, maybe Manhattan and one other um, uh, borough of, of New York City. And it's enormously large. Okay. All right. <laughs> anyway, um, and this whole area is where these people live, where these people, um, these, these folks that are in, in uh, labor trafficking. And they work, the white area is because it's plastic, white plastic greenhouses. And that's all you see. It's, you, you drive through areas and all you see is these plastic greenhouses. And there are so many people there. And so my, um, my coworkers and I had been going for several years to this area because we knew wherever there is labor traffic, trafficking, there's also prostitution. Um, so while they're um, using these men in, in, in these um, agricultural uh, greenhouses, they also have women there that are stuck in prostitution meet the needs of these women, supposedly, right? So we started going to that area as well, just to understand what was going on. And we found such a vast number of people in that area. We had um, around a thousand names of people we had ministered to through giving them um, equipment for their bicycles. They would travel to and from work on a bicycle. They lived 10 people in an apartment sometimes, horrible conditions. And the, the greenhouses, this particular area is, is very dry and hot. And, and um, during the summer, 
those greenhouses get up to 50 and 60 degrees. It's horrible. The conditions are terrible, terrible, terrible. So we've been ministering in that area as well. And uh, with a thousand contacts and building relationships there, we were feeling God leading us to go start ministering in that area. And uh, we were actually going to start Bible studies in that area. That's what our great plan was for 2020. <laughs> and we were praying about it. We were going to train up some other people to join us in that ministry. And, um, and then the pandemic hit. And I don't know if you know, but Spain had an, an incredibly hard lockdown. We were about three months where we weren't allowed to go out of our homes besides um, to do a little bit of grocery shopping once a week, um, to the pharmacy or whatever, like, like that sort of thing. But also we had to go out with masks. Um, and so in this particular area, if you can imagine, 10 people in an apartment, uh, terrible conditions in an apartment, um, it was really, really horrible. And so when the pandemic hit, actually before the pandemic, Lord had given us an opportunity that we had not sought, and that was to run a food bank. And the food bank was basically for us to help the women that we were ministering to in, in Malaga. This other area is two and a half hours away from Malaga. But we were running the food bank, learning to run that, as we were visiting every two weeks or so to this other area as well. And so when the lockdown happened, God had put us in a position where we had instant ministry, a fantastic new ministry that God opened up. All we had to do is get a, a special permission to travel, and we could travel anytime to go and come and bring food and clothing and masks to this particular area. So God opened something new for us, something very different and unexpected. And I want to tell you two stories of um, specific situations that, well, maybe three if I have time, <laughs> of um, some things that happened during that season. One of them was that because the people in, in Roquetas um, were no longer able to work, they had no income for food or anything else, let alone the masks that were so expensive, we would go and we would see people wearing these filthy masks. It was horrible, really horrible to see what, what, how they lived. And so um, one of the women that we had met there introduced us to a young man named Yakuba from Burkina Faso. Um, Yakuba had entered a, a deep depression. He did not work in agriculture. He was one of the few that was able to run his own business as a tailor. But when the lockdown happened, no more customers. Nobody had any money for anything. So he became very depressed. He lived in, in the, the little facility that he used also at, uh, for tailoring. And um, there were mornings when he couldn't even get out of bed. It was, he was a mess. Well, we were able to ask him to start making masks. And I don't know how many hundreds and hundreds of masks he made for us. We bought all the fabric, and uh, we, we were able to ask him to do the work, 
then we would distribute some of them to, within that area, and then we would sell others so that we could provide him with an income. You know, the amazing thing is what happens when you enter a person's life in a season like that. He was depressed, hopeless, and just wanted to curl up and forget about life. But after we were able to re, um, build this relationship with him, he started opening up his heart to us. And he told us, I just want to go home. I want to go home to my family back in Burkina. I don't want to stay here in Spain. This is not at all what I thought it would be. He said, I have a dream. I want to go back and have a school to teach tailoring to other people so that they don't come to thinking that they're going to have all this wonderful life in Europe. I want to start a school so people, so I can warn people, get trained up to do something here. Stay at home. You know, by Christmas time, we were able to send him back with the help of IOM, uh, International Organization for Migration. They provide some funding, and we were able to match the funding to send him home. And Bere, my coworker who went with him to Madrid to take him to the airport, realized, you know, I didn't get a French Bible. French is the, is the trade language in most of, of uh, West Africa. And, um, but she, on the way, she had, she had a real burden to give him her Bible. So she said, Jacuba, most of these people from West Africa are actually Muslims but she had a strong, confident relationship with him, and so she asked him if he, if he would like to have her Spanish Bible, and he said, I'd love to. And you know what? <laughs> they write back, back and forth regularly, practically daily, and he started encouraging her with the scripture verses he was reading out of her Bible. <laughs> and he continues to read the scriptures and learn about the love of Jesus. So, you know, as I mentioned, my friend Corinne, we were able to do that for Jacuba. We would be able, able to be there for him. We sent him enough money so that now he has four sewing machines to teach. He has four students. He can have four students at a time. And we just continue encouraging him. But he's been back in Burkina since 2020, Christmas time. And it's so encouraging when God puts you in a position to do something like that in somebody else's life. I want to tell you another story. I have um, a Ghanaian son. His name is Dennis. He still lives in Spain. But in 2020, the summer, just after the pandemic, just after the lockdown ended, uh, my coworkers went one time to deliver food to this particular area, and there he was. He was, he was 18 at that time, and um, he just approached them and said, could you help me get my residence card renewed? In Spain, you have a, a residence card or some kind of an ID card, but it's, the residence card is kind of equivalent to the green card. It allows you to be legally in the country. But there was one problem. He came across as a minor, and so he was sent into um, a, a center for minors. They, there are lots of uh, 
African miners that come across um, through the Straits of Gibraltar. It's a terrible, terrible trip. Out of 15 of these little, um, they're, they're like rafts, rubber rafts with a motor on them, 15 or so are sent across to um, enter into, uh, into Spain through the Straits of Gibraltar. Of the 15, five make it, and the rest die at sea. Dennis made it. He had walked through the Sahara Desert up into Morocco and then was able to make that crossing. It costs a lot of money, and you're paying sometimes 2,000 euros to end up at the bottom of the Straits of Gibraltar in the sea. But in Dennis's case, he made it. And so he was in a, um, one of these uh, centers for minors for a little while, and he met the criteria to be able to go ahead and get a residence card. But the only problem was his residence card said no work permitted. And when he turned 18, as is the case, he's an adult, out the door, he's gone. The centers are, are pretty good in providing all the, the basic needs that, you, that these young people might have when they're coming across. Um, a little bit of uh, language and cultural experience, but they don't prepare you for anything else. And he could not get work. So here it is, um, and his, his residence card is about to run out, and he's desperate not to be illegal. He's desperate to have a new card. So he had this prompting from the Lord. Dennis did have a Christian background, and, and I, I believe God had his hand on Dennis from the time he was a, a, a very young child. He was an orphan raised by his grandmother. His mother died in childbirth. And so he had a prompting from the Holy Spirit, go talk to those two women. They're going to help you. So he did. He very boldly went up to them and said, I need somebody that will help me with my, my residence card. Can you help me get my residence card renewed? He never asked for money. He never asked for, he never asked for anything besides that. And at the same time, as he was approaching, one of my coworkers sensed the Holy Spirit saying, listen to this young man and help him. So they came back to Malaga, and, and we, dis we discussed it and started praying about it, but we did not want to offer him anything that would be, um, th that we couldn't really fulfill, right? We didn't want to say, yes, we can help you with your residence card. So we did go to an organization that helps, helps immigrants um, in these situations, and they were able to promise us that he could get into school, He'd never finished high school, and um, they were able to get his residence card for him. But this one, he got a, re a residence card that does allow him to work. He lived with me for the next two years, and it was a real mutual blessing. I did not expect at 65 to have a teenage son, <laughs> and I did. But he was wonderful. He was so sweet and um, such a gentle gentleman and a lovely, lovely person. He continues in Spain, in the northern part of Spain, um, where he's studying to be an electrician. I don't know whether he'll ever be able to come over here or not and be 
a truly adopted son, I don't know, but anyway. So, you know what? Our theme today is being present. Be present. That was what 2020 was for us, a year with new opportunities. But you know what? What was the pandemic like for you? Was it at a time when you lost a loved one, when you lost a hope or a dream? Was it a time when you had an opportunity of ministering to somebody else who was in need? 2020 was an unusual year, I must admit. But you know what? I, I sometimes think of Adam and Eve walking in the garden with God in the cool of the evening. That was so cool. God always, always wanted to be present with his people. He wants a relationship of intimacy with us. And sometimes it's in these times of great need that he provides us the opportunity of developing that relationship with him. Sometimes through someone else like Corinne or like we were able to do with Yakuba and Dennis. Uh, when we think about scriptures and we think about missions, we have a very strong um, concept in the Alliance and in missions as a, as a whole. We call it incarnational ministry. And uh, if we look at John chapter 1, we have the, the chapter where, where John, is, uh, John tells us, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Incarnation is kind of a word that doesn't make a lot of sense to us. In Spanish, it's actually en carne, in flesh. It's like God came in the flesh through Jesus. And guess what? Because Jesus came to represent God, to show us who God is, to demonstrate God's love to us, in missions we talk about incarnational ministry. We want to go in the flesh and be present with other people on the mission field. But um, it's not just for missionaries. It's not just for overseas. God also wants us to be present with people right here around us. So incarnational ministry means I go representing God to those around me. Jesus went back to, to, the, side, the, the, to the right hand of the Father, but he promised his Holy Spirit. And he told the disciples, it's good that I'm going away because I'm going to send a comforter. And that comforter is going to go with you wherever you go. So when we are able to... Um, to go and be present and take the Holy Spirit with us, we can then be that in the flesh representation of God to those around us. That's one of the opportunities God gave us in 2020, learning it in a whole new way, being present with people in great, great need. 
you know, at the end of, of John, chapter 20, um, verse 21, I think it is, John also reminds the, the disciples, or reminds us of what the, what the disciples were told. As the Father has sent me in the flesh, I am sending you. So churches like yours are involved with sending out missionaries to the mission field through your prayers and your giving. And sometimes because he calls you to go as well. But when Jesus said, I'm sending you, it's not just about the missionaries, is it? It's not just about the missionaries. It's about my friend Corinne and just sensing what the Holy Spirit was telling her. Betsy needs you right now. It's about connecting with Dennis on a daily basis so he knows that I'm still with him. I'm still there encouraging and supporting him. It's that contact continually with Yakuba, who now ministers to the children over there and has his students and all the rest of it. We each have someone in our lives. My neighbors are not your neighbors. Your pastor's neighbors are not your neighbors. You have people in your workplace, in your schools, in your neighborhoods, people you rub shoulders with on a daily basis. And Jesus wants you to be present in their lives. He wants you to represent God's love to them. Now, I don't know anything about you folks personally, but I do know that many people grew up with a concept that was very different from what I'm describing with this intimacy with God. Some people grew up with the idea that God is up there shaking his fingers at us. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. You know, that he's there judging us. No, just think. He walked in the cool of the evening with Adam and Eve. He sent Jesus in the flesh. Imagine. When Jesus was in, at the temple and the, the Pharisees and the, and, and the rulers brought this woman caught in adultery and threw her down in front of him and says, and, and tell, remind him what the scriptures say about women caught in adultery should be stoned. And what did Jesus do? He stooped down wrote in the sand, got down on the woman's level. And then he stood up and said, the one who's without sin cast the first stone. And they all dropped their stones and walked away. He caught them. He caught them being judgmental. You know, that wagging finger that's supposed to represent God, but 
that was not the representation of God, was it? Jesus is the exact representation of God. Colossians tells us Jesus got down at that woman's eye level and said to her, where are your accusers? There weren't any. He said, I don't accuse you either. Get up and sin no more. You know, that is the representation of our loving Father. If you haven't had that kind of experience, if you haven't experienced God in that way, in a loving, intimate relationship, you need to talk to one of the people here in this, this church who can tell you about that loving Father. Or talk to me afterward. It all starts with our relationship with the Father. Being present comes out of experiencing that love that God has bestowed on us. And if we have experienced that kind of relationship, then God is calling us to also be involved in a relationship with others who are in need. That's why Jesus left his disciples on earth. To bring back the kingdom, to spread that good news. There are so many millions of people out there that have never heard of Jesus. They don't know that we have a loving father. They don't know that he wants that intimate relationship with us. But he wants each of us to be involved in doing that ministry. Yes, you can give to the Great Commission Fund. You can give to support the missionaries around the world through the Alliance. And if you want more information about that, that's something else we can give you. If you want to support missions, sending people to the far reaches of the world, the Alliance sends people to areas where there are no, no people reaching out. There were, there were, when I got involved in this ministry, there were no residential programs run by Christians in Spain. There were no Christians doing anything in Spain about this terrible suffering and injustice. So the Alliance sends missionaries to, to far-flung corners of the world. And you can be involved in that, but it doesn't get you off the hook. <laughs> it does not get you off the hook. Because I know that you are surrounded by people that do not know the Lord, that have not experienced his transforming power. So I want us to bow our heads for a few minutes. Because I, I would like the Holy Spirit to speak, speak into our hearts. Okay, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I will speak to you first if you have not experienced this intimate relationship with Jesus. That's where it starts. God is a loving Father. And yes, we are sinners. God sent his only son into the world because he loved us. He loved us so much that he sent his son 
to die on that cross for us. Why? Because he wanted an intimate relationship with us. So that's where you need to start. If you haven't experienced that, you can experience that this morning. By just opening your heart and saying, God, if you are that loving father that I'm hearing about, I want a relationship with you. I open my heart to you. But I imagine many of you have experienced that intimate relationship and have made that decision to follow the Lord. And if that's the case, I want to ask you if you will take a step of obedience Lord, I know you're not just calling people to go overseas, other people, missionaries. I know you're calling me. So right now I want to ask each of you who have made this, have had this intimate relationship with the Lord, to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, is there someone in my circle of influence right now that you want me to speak to. Somebody who needs a touch of your love. And I'm the person that you want to send. So I want you to pray and ask the Lord to show you an image in your mind. Maybe the picture of the person. Or the name of the person. And ask the Lord how he wants to use you in this person's life. And say, yes, Lord, I will. I will take the time. I will be Jesus in the flesh. I will be present to this person in their need. And I also just want to take a bit of time. Pastor was telling me that um, you've had already, you've had a couple of um, missionaries come in and speak to you, and you'll have uh, the laws coming back soon. A couple that's going from your own district, going to Spain. <laughs> just ask the Lord if there's if there's a, a family he wants you to pray for that's overseas or a family that he wants you to support through, through the Great Commission Fund or through their, their other funding uh, options. Ask the Lord, what would you have me to do in regard to reaching the lost in other countries? There might even be somebody here who's sensing that the Lord is saying, I want you to go. And if that's the case, I'd like you to come and talk to me later on.
I just want to, um, you can open your eyes again. And I want to just give you a few pointers. What does it take to be present in this way in somebody else's life? How do we do it? I want to give you a few pointers. Number one, step out of your comfort zone. Sometimes you have to be a little bit uncomfortable to be able to be God's hands and feet to the people around us. Number two, get engaged. Jesus, engage people in conversations. How are you doing? Asking the question, you know, you sense something in somebody's life? Ask the question. Step out of your comfort zone and get engaged. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. If we listen, we can hear people telling us something deeper than we might, you know, oh yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. No, we need to listen, and we need to sometimes pull things out of people. And we need to offer tangible help. There, sometimes there's something very tangible we can do. Take somebody to the doctor. Maybe there's a woman in your neighborhood who lost her husband recently, and she has a honeydew list, and no honey to do the list for her. We need to be vulnerable and share our life, share our pain, be vulnerable enough to say, yeah, I've been through some hard times too. But you know what? Most of all, give hope. Share hope. In, in our darkest moments, sometimes what we need is somebody to, to give us a bit of hope to hang on to. They say that once we lose hope, we're much more likely, like an older person that's ill or whatever, if they lose hope, that's the end. They can't continue on. And I think there were a lot of hopeless people during 2020. They wondered if it would ever end. We have hope because we know what's coming. We have a loving Father. We can offer hope. That's one thing we have that the world doesn't necessarily have. I want to ask the, the music team to come forward and sing that last song that they sang this morning. And then I'll just close in prayer. Close in prayer. Father, thank you for your love. present to those around us who need you. Thank you, Lord, for people like Peggy and Jim Law who are giving their lives to go to the mission field and talk to those and share with those who do not know you in the far-flung corners of the world. Lord, we know there are so many thousands, thousands and thousands of people around the world that don't know you, that haven't heard. But Father, we also know that there are people right around us. So Lord, give us your heart. Fill us that we might serve you. 
and honor you above all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.